The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals participating in the show. All persons described or mentioned in the podcast should be considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. This podcast contains subject matters such as violence and graphic descriptions along with adult language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. On November 18, 1987, in Ina, Illinois, a man fails to show up for work, causing suspicion. That evening, when police visit his home for a welfare check, they find a horrific scene. His wife and his children have been slain. Police originally believe that he is the culprit and he is on the run. However, soon after, they make another grisly discovery that causes one of the biggest mysteries in Illinois history. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruise Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of the Dardeen family. I was the best man at their wedding. And to find out a few years later, they've been so brutally murdered. And yet we're not any closer to really solving this than we were after it happened. It's very disheartening. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist basement somewhere in the bowels of it's raining night in Georgia <laughs> and it's been raining all damn week. The good news is I'm not the people across the street trying to build a new house and get their lovely yard. That is that good red Georgia clay sod to lay on it. Cause it is one big red mud puddle out there in front of their houses. So, there's a little bright spot in my life. So, Coach, I have to admit this was probably the work, worst duck season I've ever had to endure. Really? Only killed him three, and I gave you two of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. <laughs> but, yeah, it came to a screeching out Sunday, and so I'll be in mourning for at least a week, and then I'll find something else to do. How about the... Bullshit, uh, unnecessary roughing penalty in the Bengals Chiefs game to just just let the Chiefs kick it and win it. Well, it kind of looked like a late hit to me, to be honest with you. Oh, you're one of those guys. I'm just joking. Now it wasn't a bullshit call. No, it did. It did. Whether or not it was late, completely late, almost late, or not late. It wasn't necessary. Oh let's, yeah, let's just yeah. Put that the unnecessary the part. Yeah, the guy was going out of bounds regardless. The unnecessary part was relevant. I was just giving. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there that are Bengals fans losing their minds. So, oh, I'm sure, and I don't blame them. But at least they're not the Cowboys. <laughs> That's for you, Heater, or the Giants, brother. Uh, I'm gonna tell you something, dude. I sent Heater so many memes. <laughs> If you, I was like, I just kept, I kept, I just kept seeing them, man. I just kept seeing them. 
The Eagles seem legit, dude. They absolutely had their way with the Giants, and then they had their way with the Niners. So, I don't know. We'll see. Two weeks in the Super Bowl. I don't know if I mentioned it last time. I may have, but I saw a thing about because Jalen Hurts wants to be listed as the University of Oklahoma in his bios, so it don't count. But the last time an Alabama quarterback won a playoff game, did I mention that last time? I think we talked about it off air. If you did mention it, they can hear it again. What was it, 80s? Like 1983. Yeah. That's insane. But anyway. Anywho, we got to talk about just a horrible, horrible, horrible case. Yeah, as you can as you can tell, I'm stalling because I, I really don't want to go over this. But – we can there talk is about a something good. I mean, we can, you know, there is a case out there much worse that happened in Colorado that I stumbled across on Reddit, and we will never cover that. So don't even ask. What is on Reddit? I'm I clean. I clicked out of it. When I get to the Reddit stuff, I'll let you know. But uh, it's it was near this time. It was either three years before. No, maybe it was 86. It was either 83 or 86. There was another horrible, horrible murder in Colorado. And when we go through what happened in this case, it's worse. Just trust me, it's worse. Because I was like, well, maybe we can tie. Nope, nope. I read the first two sentences and I was like, no, ain't going to happen. So, well, let's dive into it as much as I hate to. As Coach alluded to in the opening Ina, Illinois is located in the southern part of the state. Illinois Route 37 is the village's main street, and Interstate 57 runs through the west side of town with access from Exit 83. Mount Vernon, Illinois is the Jefferson County seat, which is just 11 miles north of Ina, and Benton is 11 miles to the south. According to the 2010 census, Ina has a total uh, area of 2.45 square miles all land. Ina is located on the high ground between Casey Creek and Gun Creek, both tributaries of the Big Muddy River. In the late 1980s, life in Ina was simple. There was a small grocery store, a gas station, a firehouse, a bank, and a post office. But then in 1987, the town would become synonymous with the Dardine family. Well, it's pretty famous. I mean, infamous before that. Like, wasn't there like 15? Yeah, murders? it had, it had start, started to get a little shady in Ina. And uh, yes, yes. For a small town like it is for that many? I mean, how many, you know, what, 10 years? It was like 15 murders or it was a shorter amount of time than that? Two years. Two years. 15 murders in two years in a small town? Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty, pretty wild. Yeah. Pretty, pretty bad. Now, Keith Dardine and his wife Elaine rented a small beige and white single wide mobile home just off Route 37, officially just outside of the proper of the town of Ina, with their two-year-old son. Elaine was pregnant with their second child, a daughter, and the couple had settled on the name Casey for the newest addition to the family. Keith worked at a water treatment plant as an operator while Elaine worked in an office supply store in nearby Mount Vernon. Keith's mother, Joanne, once stated, quote, 
Keith was so frugal, he would try and incur extra money for Peter's college fund by reselling 50 cent soda cans at work, end quote. I mean, that's admirable considering the fact that his son was two and he already got a college fund. True. That's some planning for the future right there. Yes, sir. Now, the couple was very, very active in their local Baptist church where Keith would sing lead vocals and Elaine would accompany him on the piano. Now, when Elaine became pregnant with Casey, the couple decided to look for a home with an additional bedroom in Mount Carmel. Or Carmel, I'm sorry, Mount Carmel, where Keith was originally from. There had been, as Coach said, 15 homicides in Jefferson County between 1985 and 1987. So Keith and Elaine wanted to move somewhere that had a little more room and away from the rising crime in Jefferson County. Now, 15 murders may not seem like that many by today's standards, but in 1987, Jefferson County only had 38,000 people in it. 15 of them were murdered within two years. Keith had become so protective of his family due to these murders that one night when a young woman came by the mobile home asking if she could make a phone call, he would not even let her in. On the 18th of November of 1987, Keith didn't show up for work. He had not called in sick and had never had a no-show, no-call. His co-workers knew this was out of character, so his supervisor called his phone, but there was no answer. The supervisor then called Keith's parents to see if they knew where he was. They stated they had not heard from him. And from what I could read, the supervisor called them several, several times, and it was not until after, in the late, I was going to say after lunch, but it was in towards the late afternoon when... Keith's parents would call the phone, his home phone, and they couldn't get an answer, so they became concerned and called the police. Now, Keith's father, Don, along with his mother, Joanne, told police that they would meet them at the home with a spare key. Now, disclaimer, what we're about to go over is not pretty. So if you are one of those that allows your children to listen to this, I suggest you fast forward for about three or four minutes. I would probably just skip the whole episode, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) You have been duly warned. Proceed with caution. (laughs) What authorities find when they enter the residence was reported as scarring some of the most hardened investigators. Authorities would find Elaine, Peter, and the newborn Casey all lying in one bed. And some reports state that they were all tucked into that one bed. Now, both Elaine and Peter had been bound with duct tape and gagged before being brutally beaten to death with Peter's baseball bat. The bat had been a present from Keith. Elaine suffered a blow to the top right of her head, which fractured her skull, but she was not sexually assaulted. Peter suffered numerous abrasions and contusions, and his skull was also fractured. Yeah, and the and the the poor uh, infant was what two months premature. They believe uh, that she was when she was attacked. The mother was attacked. It caused her to have premature uh, labor. Yes, 
Yeah. The attack was so violent and ruthless that Lane had given birth to little Casey during the attack. That is oh, so terrible, man. Yeah. It's horrific, honestly. The the amount of evil to do what this these this person or these people did is just unfathomable to me. Yeah, me too. I just I couldn't imagine. I can't either, man. It's it's rough. Um and I know you work with youngins like near Peter's age, so it hits home for you, but I just Absolutely. I have no I just can't fathom that evil. So, and I hope I never have to come across that. So, yes, absolutely. Whoever the killer was took no mercy on poor Casey and ended her life in the same grisly manner in which he or she did the Casey's brother and mother. And I'll leave it at that. Um, before leaving, the killer had made some sort of an effort to clean the crime scene, and this would indicate whoever committed these murders was not worried about being interrupted. They were not worried about someone coming home or coming to visit. They had basically all the time in the world. Now, authorities search for Keith and are unable to find him in the residence. Keith was initially believed to have slaughtered his family and then fled because his car was not in the drive when the authorities arrived at the home. The following day, however, Keith's body is discovered by hunters in a wheat field just over the Franklin County line, approximately one mile from his home. Keith had been shot three times, once in the front of his head, once on the right side of his face, and once in his left cheek. Gruesomely, the murderer had also chopped off his penis. Yeah, the rumor is, unconfirmed rumor, is said penis was placed in his mouth. Yes, which would lead you to believe that this is not only a sexual sadist, but someone scorned, either male or female. Yeah, I mean, it's like, of course, when they find the bodies at first, they're going to assume it's him. And that's the search is on for him as a fugitive at first. Right, and right. Even so far as to when they were trying to uh, interview members of his family, they were heard saying, you, we know he did it. We just need to find him or something along those lines. So they'd are the police are convinced themselves that he was, he was the one to look for. And then when they found him, that just threw everything on yeah. its head. Really? Yeah. Like I said, his car was not found in the, at the home when the authorities arrived, they do find his red 1981 Plymouth parked outside of all places. The police station in Benton, Illinois, just 11 miles from the family's home. The inside was covered with blood. Authorities surmised that Keith had been murdered and mutilated inside his own car. Now, when autopsies were conducted on the family, the medical examiner could not conclude which of the three victims in the house had been murdered first. The only thing that could be determined was that Keith had been dead for 24 to 36 hours when he was found, while the rest of the family had been killed within 12 hours of the police arriving on the scene. So how long between... uh them finding the family and them finding Keith. How long was that? Do you know? It was the next day that they found him. So okay, they find the, oh, okay. so, so they find the family that evening. And that's what I was saying. It depends. There's a lot of things in this case that's been like minute details that have been lost to time. So I, I had seen where they had to use flashlights to, to look into the house and that would lead you to believe 
that it was dark because then they, you know, just opening the door, they could have used the natural light. So that would, if you just, you know, I guess hypothesize off of that. So you're looking at the evening, they find the bodies. The next day is when the hunters find him and then his vehicles found. Okay. And I had read one article that stated that the medical examiner had made the comment that all four of them were killed so closely in time that he could not determine which one had been killed first. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was going to say is I got mixed reports, but that makes sense. The, I thought the mixed reports were I'd heard they'd all died within an hour of each other. Then I found then I heard that she was dead for 12 hours and he was dead for 36. But I guess if it's the next day, that makes That makes sense. Yeah. I'm thinking that this all went down within about an hour and we'll get into our theories later. But anyway, um, as the news of the murders spread around the area, res- residents were left in shock, dismay, and even more on edge than they had already been due to the wave of murders the previous two years. There was a rise in gun sales as well as sales in home security systems. During the weeks following the discovery of the Dardine's bodies, local citizens took to openly carrying shotguns, and the coroner in the nearby county of Franklin was quoted as saying that locals were so afraid to let strangers into their homes that if he ran out of gas on a country road, he wouldn't even bother knocking on the door and would instead walk to the nearest highway and try to hitchhike. And if you know anything about 1987, that's when all the serial killers had started coming out of the woodwork and everybody was trying to get everybody to stop hitchhiking. So this old boy saying that everybody was on edge and if he ran out of gas, he'd just walk and try to hitchhike instead of knocking on the door to get a gas can. Mm-hmm. Now, before the crime wave and the Dardine murders had taken place, most everyone around the town of Ina left their doors unlocked. Those days were long gone, and now residents double-checked to make sure the doors were locked tightly. Mary Younger, who worked at the town's grocery store, would tell the media, quote, nobody is complacent anymore. Everybody stays aware of their surroundings, end quote. Now, when it came to a motive for the brutal murder of the Dardines, investigators were bewildered. I almost put flummoxed. I wanted to, but (laughs) I decided against it. Robbery slash home invasion was quickly thrown out because authorities, once they took inventory of the Dardine's home, found cash, jewelry, and a video camera lying in plain sight. What stumped investigators was the fact that there was no sign of forced entry and the house was not ransacked. They had found the back door unlocked. Even though Keith had been sexually mutilated, investigators ruled out a sexual motive. They could not find any evidence of an extramarital affair, which would account for the rage that had been doled out on the family. Nor could they find any debt troubles grudges, pissed-off neighbors, nothing. The Franklin County coroner did not believe the Dardines were randomly chosen, however. Quote, I believe it was a very personal, deliberate thing he would tell the Post-Dispatch. Now, investigators did determine that the Dardine family were 
chosen, although they hypothesized that it was more than likely a result of a mistaken identity. Quote, I don't think it was a passerby, said Detective John Kemp. The most plausible theory at the time was that the killer had gained entry into the home and at some point left the home with Keith and murdered him, then returned to the home to eliminate the witnesses. However, I'll hold off. Never mind. Detective Mike Anthes would tell the media, quote, we have all the pieces of the puzzle. We just have to put them in the right order, and right now we don't know what that order is, end quote. Now, inside, go ahead. Sorry. Just, I don't know, man. It's like, you know me. It's just, I don't, I will never understand. I, I almost put it no. in my notes. I was like, Q and we're going to get a t-shirt, mate. It says, if yeah. you're going to murder, go ahead and rob them. <laughs> Seriously, I just don't get it. I mean, I guess. And I mean, clearly the, the person or people took their time. They tried to clean the scene. Yeah. I don't get not taking valuables i just don't understand it i don't either brother unless i mean unless it was truly a rage killing even if it is i just or maybe i said i think it would be more of a message that it wasn't a robbery no no they're not trying to throw off investigators by saying oh well it was clearly a robbery they took everything of value and they, leaving things behind of value would lead me to believe that it's a message that they want. They want everyone, including investigators, to know there was something more to it than just a robbery gone wrong. I mean, clearly, with the the way that they were, the way that they were murdered, clearly states there was more to it than. Yeah, it's. I I don't, I don't understand. Uh, and I don't claim to understand, so I'm not a criminal psychologist, and I don't want to be in those minds. Um, it's bad enough that I'm in the minds of teenagers, but um, mm-hmm. inside the Dardeen's home, investigators would find a small amount of marijuana, but found no evidence that either Keith or Elaine were drug users or drug dealers. Blood tests would show that neither Keith nor Elaine had any drugs in their system, and those who knew the Dardeen said they never used any drugs of any sort. The police theorized that the marijuana had fallen out of the perpetrator's pocket during the murders. Mm-hmm. Now, that is a fact that Keith's mother, Joanne, would say was most likely the case. The murders were so brutal that some investigators even theorized that the crime was that of a cult trying to appease the devil. Well, we're, yeah, I mean, but it's 1987. It's, we're right in the height of the satanic panic. That's exactly Every- right. Everything's Satan. From 1980 to... I didn't know it went as long as it did, but from 1980 to 1995, it was the satanic panic time. And you're right. 87 is right at the height, man. But investigators are actually going to consult occult experts and satanic experts. I don't know where you find those. I guess you get that degree mail order like the dude from West West Memphis. Memphis. Yeah. (laughs) But... (laughs) They're actually saying that it wasn't. They were like, it doesn't fit that profile. Right. And that's what I was going to say, that rumors would begin to circulate from the locals that little Casey had been ripped from her mother's womb. This, along with the mutilation of Keith's genitals, would fuel the fire that Satanists were active in the area and had performed a ritual sacrifice on the family. However, 
in one of the most rare instances of murders not being blamed on Satan worshipers or devil worshipers, someone with half a brain actually said, Hey, this doesn't, this don't play. And it's, yeah, the, the rumor about the ripped from her womb is, was proven false. It was just premature birth. Yeah. Premature birth, but don't get me wrong. It's still as brutal as it sounds. And it's still, she still succumbed to absolutely horrific at the fact that. Yeah. Um, that much trauma is inflicted that the mom, three people, including a newborn seconds after it was birthed. Yeah. Them to death with a baseball bat. That's horrific. Yes. But it doesn't have to be necessarily Satan worshiping. I mean, it's the work of the devil for sure. Just pure evil. Right, but it's not a bunch of Metallica listening, black t-shirt wearing teenagers running around doing all this. Yeah. Now, the murders were also suggested to be the work of a regional serial killer due to the fact that there had been three other unsolved murderers in the area. I could not find what those were, however, and I think area is loosely used. Like, I was, I think I saw something that we're talking... Not that this, not the work of a serial killer, but I think, and I could be wrong, but it was one of the other murders was like 45 miles away. The other one was like 50 something. And then there was another one that was over 70. So, but I couldn't find any other details than that. They didn't give the names of the deceased or any details. Now the investigation would wind up involving the Illinois state police and 30 detectives dedicating full-time work to the case and interviewing more than 100 people. Despite their best efforts, the police were not able to determine a motive for the killings, let alone find a likely suspect. With very little to zero evidence to go on, the case quickly turned cold, much to the dismay of Keith's mother, Joanne Dardine. Throughout the 1990s, at least once a week, Joanne called the Mount Vernon Sheriff's Office to speak with the lone detective still assigned to her son's case, offering the detective leads that she had learned of or asking him if there was any new information that he could share. She would also start a petition that got over 3,000 signatures from the area residents asking the Oprah Winfrey Show to air her family's case. But Oprah's producers turned her down because they thought the crime was much too violent for daytime TV. Even America's Most Wanted turned down airing the case, but then decided to run a segment on it 11 years later in 1998. Unfortunately, their airing did not lead to any new leads. Quote, I carried Keith for nine months. I raised him. I worshiped the ground he walked on. He was a good man and a good father, and I will never give up on him, end quote. And that was Joanne, his mother. Yeah, and it's pretty crazy. Like, from what I researched, they didn't receive any leads. No, like no phone calls. Like like no phone calls. (laughs) Not, Not even like false phone calls. No clairvoyance, none of that. That's insane. Like, not even one crazy person Yeah, was like, I think my buddy Bill did it. Well, you know old Bill, he was up in Iowa the other week, and he'd come back, and he said he'd, he'd, he'd ripped his new shirt. Yeah. 
Yeah, none of that. They didn't have anything, which is, like you said, is an oddity in itself. Now, Joanne, however, had her own theory. She theorized that somebody wanted Keith to sell drugs and he refused. Her other theory was that possibly Elaine had turned down somebody's advances, causing them to lash out the family. That's pretty, well, let's go to the first one. That is a pretty brutal reaction to somebody going, nah, man, I don't want to sell your drugs. Yeah, at that time in 87... Uh, if one person turned it down, there was probably seven or eight other people that would take them up on it. And even if you wanted, well, I mean, it may have been a message to other people. Don't turn them down. You know, you never know. But still, I mean, it's just brutal. Like, nah, man, I don't want to sell your weed. Oh, okay. Well, we're going to shoot you three times in the face and cut your dick off and shove it in your mouth. Damn. I still can't get over that, but anyway. Now, the most promising lead came in 2000 when serial killer Tommy Lynn Sells was arrested after slashing throats of Kayleen Harris, 13, and Crystal Searles, 10, as the two young girls slept in Harris's home on January 2nd, 2000. Crystal would survive the attack and was able to help create a composite sketch of her attacker, which led authorities to Mr. Tommy Lynn Sells. Now, upon his arrest, Sales would confess that he had killed not only the Dardines, but also close to 70 other unsolved murders. He was the Henry Lee Lucas of his time. Yeah, I didn't really recognize him from my research until like near the end, and it showed a picture of him in jail, and he gained a bunch of weight, and I recognized him, man. This guy was off the rails. Yeah, he was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But yeah, he said something in an interview along the lines of, you'll never know the joy and the ecstasy of seeing someone's life leave their body, and it was the greatest feeling I'd ever had, and I was addicted. Like, he's going to confess to, like, 70 murders, and they're not going to be able to find any evidence for most of them. I think he got, like, he went to jail for murder of one girl. He tried to slash two girls' throats, and... One of them survived and gave him a a good description of him. That's how they found him, right? Right. And I think they tied him officially to 22, but they could never link him positively to the Dardine case. Now, Sales would often give statements that did not match the evidence inside the Dardine home. In one of his ramblings, he would tell authorities that he had met Keith at a gas station and that Keith had invited him back to his home for dinner and a three-way with his wife, Elaine. Because, you know, that's what you do when you meet someone at a gas station. Yeah, yeah, yeah your pregnant wife. Yeah, and that could deliver it in, yeah. in the house. Yeah, let's just come on. Hey, complete stranger, won't you come into our, my home and uh, have dinner with us, and then me and you, we're going to go in there. Yeah. Yeah, when you already don't allow people to use the phone. House, you don't know. <laughs> a yeah, young girl tried to use the phone and he said, uh-uh. but he's going to let somebody he doesn't know eat dinner with his pregnant wife and two year old boy. Anyway, so sales would go on to retell this on two more occasions. And each time the location where he met Keith would change in one. It was a truck stop in another. It was a pool hall. Now people have theorized that if, and this is a big old if, Sales did, in fact, murder the Dardines. 
he probably just saw the quote for sale sign on the trailer and used that as an opportunity. Joanne would scoff at this theory, stating, quote, Keith was far too protective of his family to entertain such a thing. If he wouldn't let a young girl in to use the phone, he wouldn't let a 22-year-old man in. So Tommy Lynn Sales would remain the one and only suspect in the case, though many still think he had nothing to do with it. And we will never know one way or the other because Tommy Lynn Sales was executed in 2014 in the great state of Texas. If he did commit the crime, he can never be prosecuted for it because he's dead. And if he lied about committing the crime, we will never have an opportunity to get him to confess that he made it all up. Now, Captain John Kemp came to believe that Sales did kill the Dardine family after interviewing him in Texas. Kemp would elaborate by stating that Sales, quote, provided us with information that only the investigators knew, end quote. Sheriff Roger Mulch would add that, quote, in our minds, we have enough confidence to believe that he did it, end quote. Now, it is possible that he chose the Dardine family after a random encounter and simply made up a motive that was sexual in nature because he was notorious for crafting stories in which he ultimately blamed the victims for their own murders. When speaking on Sell's mental and psychological state in an interview, Captain Kemp stated, quote, he was completely wired up differently from anyone I've ever come across, end quote. According to Kemp, Sells was a cunning and smart sadist who lacked remorse for what he allegedly did. And the Dardines were no exception. Really, it could have been anyone, like we stated in the beginning, Crime was on the rise in Ina and the surrounding areas. You had 15 murders in a two-year span. And if you take Tommy Lynn Sales out of the equation, it's possible the family was targeted at random, which makes this even more scary. And I want to go back to the him seeing the for sale sign in the window and then using that as a ruse or whatever. I had read, and this is why I had made the comment that some of these little details have been lost I had read in several articles that they were renting that trailer and they didn't own it. And then I read in several articles that they own the trailer. So there's no telling. If it was, if they were renting it, I don't think there's going to be a for sale sign in it. So, but again, these are just minute little things that just would make you think also if there's a for sale sign in it as protective as he was about not letting that lady in to use the phone he's got to know that people are going to stop and start knocking on the door hell it's 1987 we don't have cell phones we can't go on uh, realtor.com and get all your information (laughs) so now we get into the what ifs and some of these i just as i typed them i was like i'll do it anyway What if a drug dealer could have insisted that the Dardines sell drugs for him and then when when Mr. Dardine refused, he just lost it and killed everybody? I was like, really? It doesn't make any sense. Like you said, you know, it takes a cold calculated drug dealer to kill one of his customers. Now, if you keep giving this a drug addict 
product without letting them pay for it, then okay, all bets are off. But I just don't see a, the drug dealer angle in this one. It's just brute. I mean, just a drug deal, drug dealer scorned by a refusal would probably just be one bullet at the back of the head to everybody. Right. You know, quick and easy, get out of there. This was methodical. This was just brutal. I mean, absolutely brutal and thought out from the looks of it. Yes. But, I mean, again, well, I could be completely wrong, but it just doesn't seem like something a run-of-the-mill drug dealer would do to me. Correct. Hey guys, Arlo here, and if you are struggling with the old caffeine in the morning, I have got the fix for you. It is called Magic Mind, and it is just a little two-ounce shot that you drink with your coffee or your energy drinks in the morning. It is chocked full of greatness, and it will get you focused, and it really actually has the L-theanine. And that lowers your cortisol hormone, which helps absorb that caffeine that you're intaking. Now, Magic Mind has nootropics, adaptogens, matcha green tea, and 12 magical ingredients. That matcha boosts your energy. The adaptogens help with relaxation, and the nootropics keep you focused. A bonus is that it has vitamins C and D along with the echinacea to help your immunity. So head over to magicmind.co backslash bruise and enter the promo code brews 20 is bruise 20 brews 20 and that will give you a 20% off coupon for either a one-time purchase or subscription to a monthly dose of magic mind the next one was, what if they were, as the families suggest, killed in a case of mistaken identity? Well, that's fine and all, but you still don't have the why. If it was a, mis- a case of mistaken identity, what had the other family that they were supposed to kill, what they had they had done? And if it's a contract situation, don't. Yeah, I'm not saying the contract killer would do that because that's just horrific, but... You, you're going to dot your I's and cross your T's. But anyway, the one that I think might have some legs is, and we'll get into it a little bit later. Well, no, not really. We'll get into it now. What if the teenage girl who asked to use their phone was involved in criminal activity or, I like this part better, was somehow associated with someone who was and the family was killed for refusing to help her? That is again extreme oh no 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 i agree i agree to being refused a a phone call and also nothing in my research would indicate the time frame between right i couldn't ever find the time of the girl stopping by and the murders it could have been years in between you know correct correct When an entire family is murdered in such a brutal fashion, including a newborn baby, one thing is certain some vile, angry sadist was looking to make their victim suffer as much as possible. It just seems like a big um, stretch for a theory, for an example, the, the family used as to show how private he was. It's like, well, he was so protective and private, he wouldn't even let 
a lady come in and use their phone and then the internet's like, well, she must've done it. Like, what do you mean? How do you like, right. Yeah. How do you go from, that's a stretch and a half. Right. Now you may be wondering if there was any usable DNA in the case. And if so, has it been tested? That same question was asked of captain Scott Burge in 2019, a reporter close to the family and the case stated, quote, I just asked Joanne Dardine the other day, why haven't they done DNA? Did whoever, did they eat supper with them that night as long as they were there? Surely they opened a door, a refrigerator, touched a table. There has to be something. Burge responded and says, we want to try to do some DNA testing on some items. I think we can, but I need to see collectively where it has been before to where it can go, which is not as about as vague as you can get. It doesn't tell you if they've got any doesn't tell you if it was stored correctly, if it is degraded, if they have any of the clothing still of the victims. But nothing more was mentioned about possible DNA evidence in the case that I was able to find. And short of revelations drawn from DNA evidence, this case may never be solved. Now, there are some other theories slash comments out there on the interwebs that I wanted to go over, but that officially ends the facts of the case now there was a user on reddit that goes by lover's alibi says i don't believe that tommy lynn sells confession at all it makes no sense that Keith propositioning him for a threesome which i don't believe he would do i mean maybe they were into threesomes but i think they seem a bit too smart than to do it with some rando from a truck stop would send sales into such rage i think he like most such false confession killers just wanted attention and in some ways probably enjoyed the quote thrill of saying fairly salacious things about innocent people who are no longer alive to refute them. Yeah. From what I saw that he was very good at stating facts of the case that were publicly known, but when it came to like details that would have, you know, that was not publicly known, he wasn't so, he wasn't so good at, uh, giving accurate information. Correct. Yeah. And she went on to say, I find it weird. And I did too, that when you see the Dardine family on Wikipedia, it classifies the threesome idea as quote, a homosexual advance. Hmm. Yeah. But when I clicked on the wiki link, satanic panic, uh, thing in the Dardine case, just to get the dates, the, of how long the satanic panic went on, it tried to tie the book that this all started from, from a bunch of other conspiracy theory things. And I was like, really? I mean, that has nothing to do with any of this, but okay. But like we said, you know, Wikipedia is a good place to start, but check your, your, your sources. Now, user Hannah Ken said the Wikipedia summary indicates they put their trailer up for sale, intending to move away from the area due to the increase in crime. I wonder if the trailer was actively advertised for sale at the time of the murders. Someone could have pretended to be interested in a tour of the property in order to gain entrance to the home if it was being sold by the Dardines and they were the owner. Now, if they weren't, and the Dardines had been renting it from someone who decided, you know what, I'm not renting anymore, I'm just going to sell it. That makes a little bit more sense that the perpetrator could have toured the property 
and got a lay of the land. But again, it doesn't give you a motive as to why they chose the Dardines. Hmm. Uh, this person goes on to state the murder seemed like overkill. There might be a personal element. The man's sexual organs were mutilated. If robbery or rape was not the motive, then what was? I wonder if the children's DNA was tested to make sure Mr. Dardine was their father. A lot can go on behind the scenes in families that even those close to them do not suspect. I think that's kind of a dead end, but that's not fair to her either. I no. mean, come on, man. Yeah. And then you're going to accuse an innocent woman of wrongdoing because I don't know. I just, yeah, I didn't like the, the whole thing with her throwing the DNA well, in there. Definitely don't need to, Everyone needs to make sure that that is not our theory. No, that is Hannah Kian from Reddit. Now, she goes on to state the man being separated from his family. <laughs> I just backed that bitch over. Good uh, Lord, man. Beep, beep. Here we come. Get on the bus. The, now, she goes on to state the man being separated from his family and taken to another location to be mutilated and killed or killed and mutilated makes me suspect the key to the murder has something to do with him. Perhaps he or his wife were involved with someone else, which we kind of talked about that. You don't know. This case is so old. You don't know, and it's still active. You don't know how well they did their investigation. It's not like last week's case where the family hired a private detective and said, find what you can. I don't care how salacious and how much it hurts me. I want to know who killed my son. Yeah. Well, I mean, to say that they separated him, who's to say that he was at home? And they took him somewhere else. Who's to say that he wasn't killed first and then they drove his. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know. You can't say really. No, you can't. Now user Snifflebot states that (laughs) has been my theory ever since I first read about the case. I would, as I posted before, bet on the killing being a female and probably either one from Keith's past who had desired him or even more likely to me, someone who once knew Elaine and felt insanely jealous of her over something in the past. Someone Elaine might have recognized and allowed to enter the house. And that kind of goes along the angle you're talking about. She would have been disarmed seeing a familiar face, even though Keith was not there. But I mean, Though there have been women killers in the past and there have been insanely jealous women that have murdered, beating to death. Oh, I know. I know. With a baseball bat is probably not the um, typical MO of a female killer. Again, I could be wrong. That's just my opinion. But she goes, or not she, I. I assumed again. I'm so sorry. Snifflebot goes on to say, first, it's just an incredibly vindictive killing. This was very personal for whoever did it. So personal, they were not interested in taking the money. Cue coaches one-liner. More specifically, the killer or killers went to great lengths to clean up the scene afterward and tuck all of the victims into the house into bed. That just seems like they were making a sarcastic mockery of Elaine's family life. Quote, here... You spend eternity with your kids, end quote. It doesn't seem to have been determined whether Elaine died before giving birth, a corpse birth to Casey, or went into labor while being beaten from the sheer shock of 
her body was undergoing. I don't know enough about the science to say which scenario is more plausible. However, I could easily see a jealous killer perhaps coming in just to attack Elaine and then go into a frenzy after seeing her go into labor, perhaps not knowing she was pregnant, but hell, she was, what do we say? She was seven months pregnant? Yeah. Yeah, so you, she was showing. Seven, seven, yeah, seven, seven and a half months pregnant. Yeah, she was showing. Or having already beaten Elaine to death, be so agitated at the sight of the baby being born to do it in as well. Taking Keith away from the house and then essentially unmanning him too, but just shooting him instead of beating him to death suggests the point was to send some sort of post-mortem message to Elaine, i.e. I will take your husband's manhood away and make sure he dies alone away from your house. And perhaps already knowing his wife and children were dead. Snifflebot goes on to state, I also think that where Keith's car was found suggests that maybe the killer or killers had planned this out and may have had some help after the fact. Leaving it next to the police station might be some sort of taunt, but probably isn't. More important is that it's not too far a walk based on Google Maps to all of the fast food gas station businesses around I-57 and the exit to go to Ina. Perhaps where you could easily get picked up or wait a little while to be picked up or even hitch a ride without really being noticed, especially in the late evening or early morning hours, and then put a lot of distance between you and the crime scene really, really fast. Now, she was given a ton of downvotes for some of her comments, and she edited her post and said, I think it's pretty obvious that whoever did this specifically wanted Elaine to suffer physically and psychologically. And while I could see a jealous male lover taking the time to kill the kids too, I can't see them bothering to clean the place up and tuck the bodies into the bed. Someone went to those lengths for a reason. I think she has some good points in there. I think she has some... mm, not so good points in there. I do like the fact that she kind of discounts the whole, you know, the leaving the car where it's at. Um, she did to do her homework and found that that police station is right next to several gas stations. And like she said, would have been an easy place to make a quick getaway. Now, do we know for certain that they were quote unquote tucked in? I've not. I've only seen that in like one or two articles. Most of the articles you see out there is just a regurgitation of the same story. There's a little bit here. There's a little bit there. That's more, a little bit more detail. But I had only seen the tucked in thing in like one article, and I had, I went about seven or eight pages deep, searching for stuff about Keith and Elaine. So I don't know. I mean, you would think that little news nugget was leaked by someone at the scene or maybe from the fam. I don't see. I don't know. I really don't know. Now, Scarlet Magnolia, another Reddit user said, if the killer was female, then using a gun with Keith makes more sense. Maybe she or they had concerns of being overpowered by him somehow being the one with a gun evens that fight back out a bit and allows you to keep your distance. That is a good point, but again, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's an here's easy... The th- here's the thing. If we can confirm that they were tucked in, I would say I would agree to a female 
more so than a male. I don't think a male would do that. But to me, I would assume that they were moved into the bedroom, beaten, and left there rather than tucked into bed. Right. I guess my thing is the one of the first articles I had seen was that the bodies were discovered on the bed. It didn't say tucked in. You would think tucked in would be kind of one of those specific things that you wanted out there in the public. Maybe not. I don't know. But it would make sense that Keith killed with a gun and they were killed with a bat if it was a female, because I would agree that the female might not think she could get the job done. Or if she did, or if the killer did move Keith from the house at gunpoint, it's a good way to do it. Right. But see, I just don't see the whole, the, the whole thing can't go down at the same time if it's a woman. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, there's got to be, you've got to separate him from the family. And you've got to, see, the other thing is this. Say you do all of that stuff to him inside that car and you park that car in the police parking lot. I mean, you're going to be covered in blood. And if you don't believe me, watch the end of The Hateful Eight. Because when you are demasculated, um, you bleed out, or you bleed a lot, I should say. Don't, don't, I haven't seen that movie yet, so don't spoil it. That's all I'm going to tell you. It's, it's pretty good. It's most Quentin Tarantino films, so. If you hear the ambulances going by my house, I have no idea, but like within the last three days, there have been like, this makes the sixth ambulance that's gone by my house. So fun times out here in the sticks. But anyway, so going back to um, Snifflebot, there was a response to her. Actually, there was a response to Scarlet Magnolia said that a uh, very good point. If the killer was female or even if not, Luring the man outside to shoot him instead of trying to physically overpower him makes complete tactical sense. It feels like the key to this lies in the different methods used. Keith was outside, separated from the family, and he was shot. Apart from having his penis severed, he was otherwise just left there in the field as he fell. The rest of the family was beaten and then, again, there's where it says tucked into bed, cleaned up, to, cleaned up after they were killed with more ferocity, rage, and brutality than Keith was. And they were afforded more attention and, quote, care after death than Keith was, too. Now, that one, I do like that makes more sense from a tactical sense. Because you could take, like he said, or whoever it is, says, if you take him to the, you know, you pull the gun, take him out, go to the field, but they're saying he was killed in the car or not. Yeah, he was shot in the car and his penis was severed in the car because they said basically that car was just painted red. So again, you're going to have to drag him out of the car. Or you, I guess a female could open the door and just physically kick him out then drive back to the house. I just can't get over the scene 
you are not going to do all of that inside that little bitty ass Plymouth. And I'm going to post a picture of the car and you'll know what I mean and not have blood on you and not to the point where you're going to show back up at his house and his wife's going to answer the door and not know something bad is going on. Scarlet Magnolia responds back to watching detectives and says, it seems like Keith was just something that had to be gotten out of the way with first, mainly to increase the chances of success, like drugging a guard dog with something. Um, he went and he wouldn't let a female in to use the phone. However, he may go outside to assist one or two that appeared to need help. This just feels like it has female killer written all over it for me. I can almost see her sense of satisfaction leaving a clean house and family tucked in all nice and safe. But why? What would cause such intense, uncontrollable rage that a person beats a four-year-old and a newborn to death with a bat? Speaking of the murder weapon, they brought a gun with them. The bat wasn't planned, which leads you to the rage situation. And it was one of those things where it was a weapon of opportunity. And then there, she goes on to tie it even to more of it. It's more of destroying the family because it belonged to the little boy. And then she, or I would have to say she, if you're a man that goes by Scarlet Magnolia, please contact us. We need to talk. She says that she thinks she read it. <laughs> and you, is this the same woman you outed? Is no, 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 no. This is another one. Uh, that was Snifflebot or whatever her name was. Hold on. I'll tell you what her name was. Yeah. Snifflebot. Snifflebot's the one I backed the bus over. Oh, poor Snifflebot. Yeah. Poor Snifflebot. She's gone. Long gone. But anyway, um, Scarlet Magnolia says that she had read somewhere that the bat was propped up by the door. And that it, maybe that was where the kid kept it. I don't know. Watching watching detectives responds with, if not for the fact that Keith was killed and then mutilated, I'd peg him for the best suspect. The murder and postmortem treatment of the rest of the family is very indicative of someone close to the victims. Again, like you said, do we know for a fact that they were tucked in? This is, if they were tucked in, that is a common familicide kind of situation. There's a type of crime scene staging behavior called undoing that's explained well in the crime classification manual by Douglas Burris, Burris and Ressler. It was two of them. That's two of them verses. Undoing represents a form of personalization with more obvious meaning. Undoing frequently occurs at the crime scene when there is a close association between the offender and the victim or when the victim represents someone of significance to the offender. Um, the following case exemplifies what undoing is. A son stabbed his mother to death during a fierce argument. After calming down, the son realized the full impact of his actions. First, he changed the victim's bloodied shirt, then placed her body on the couch with her head on a pillow. He covered her with a blanket, folded her hands over her chest. So she appeared to be sleeping peacefully. This behavior indicated his remorse by attempting to emotionally undo the murder. Other forms of undoing may include the offenders washing up, cleaning the body, covering the victim's face, or completely covering the body. The offender engages in these activities not because he is attempting to hide the victim, but because he may be feeling some degree of remorse. I think it's either someone close to the family or a serial killer with specific mother compu- 
compulsions, I can't see anyone in between performing performing this particular kind of scene staging. And that guy does a very good job, I think, of really narrowing it down. There's got to be some kind of familial tie. And if it's not, then this is the M.O. of a serial killer. So then are you looking for other unsolved murders where the scene was kind of staged in that way? Well, um, I don't know. You would definitely have to figure out the brutality, you know, other murders that were that brutal. I mean, I don't, surely if that was the case, we would have heard about it. You know, most serial killers stick to, you know, an MO and there's just not any in that area at that time frame, you know? Right. Now, another user jumps in and has access to articles by the St. Louis Post-Dispatch that I did not see. So some of these things um, I could not verify, so keep that in mind. But this one is Doc Rocker. It's John Rocker. He's on Reddit. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) This is one of those unsolved mysteries that has baffled me since I first heard about it in the 80s. Two things I found especially baffling about the case that has always bothered me was, one, shortly before the murders, Keith had told his mother in a phone call that he wanted to go back to his hometown because Ina is quote much more violent than he ever thought it would be. And like I said, that was from an article in the St. Louis dispatch that says that Keith never went into detail about what he was afraid of. And that makes no sense to me. This is doc rocker. Well, what he was afraid of was within two years, 15 people had died, not from natural causes from the hands Mm. of someone else. So anyway, This guy does go on and says, think about this for a second. Your son tells you that he wants to move his entire family back to his hometown because this new place he has moved to is more violent than he could have ever imagined. The article does not say how Keith's mother responded to this rather ominous and cryptic statement, but I can't imagine her saying, well, okay, son, anytime you want to come back, just let me know. Well, you're not from the South. That's how we talk to people around here. Um. Number two, allegedly in the months leading up to the murder, a neighbor noticed that the Dardines were raising dogs, specifically Labrador Retrievers. The same neighbor had noticed a man on several occasions going in and out of the trailer where the Dardines lived. This neighbor didn't know if it was the same man each time, but a month before the murder, she asked Elaine who the stranger was, and allegedly Elaine gave the vague answer of, oh, that's one of my husband's friends, and then change the subject. He This guy goes on to say that he didn't think Tommy Lynn Sales did it either, and he just kind of tails off into the Henry Lee Lucas add-in with Sales. So the last one I wanted to talk about was the user Pigeon Herd. Quote, Keith became so protective of the family that one night when a young woman came by, the mobile home, asking if she can make a phone call. He refused to let her in, end quote. I know this was something that was just mentioned by a friend of Keith, but this has this ever been looked into? If I were to be writing fiction where these events transpired, it might go like this. Keith refuses to let her make a phone call, being protective of his family. Instead of safely making it home, something awful happens to her, and she develops a grudge about it. She 
doles out the vengeance on the family for it in the way described in the murders as also how dare you put your safety above mine kind of way. And then he ends that with this is entirely speculation. It, that is a nice little thing for those other users out there that thought that whoever the young lady was that asked for help, that maybe her family was to blame for this. And you were like, you know, over refusing a phone call. But if something happened to her, like she was raped or she was beaten or something like that, that there's your female killer angle. But again, that's a good point there. I mean, we don't know. I didn't like that theory to begin with because it made a lot of assumptions about that incident. But again, we don't know the time frame. But that is an interesting point. If that girl was refused the phone call because she needed help with her car or whatever, and she went back to her car and somebody abducted her or, and raped her or whatever, that would that would scorn the the hell out of that family and want revenge. Right, and it would scorn her to where maybe she, like I said, maybe, and it may be one of those things where, like a misery situation where she's hurt. And she has to rehab, but she blames him for her being hurt. It doesn't have to necessarily be rape. So I guess that's the thing. Maybe she was injured in some way, and that is she's got to rehab from that injury, and then she has to, she just, that's her, I guess, her motive to get better. And then once she's better, then she goes looking to, make sure that he understands he should not have not let her use the phone. That yeah. Ma- if that makes sense. I know that was kind of random. Nah, but I'm sure it will play back. Yeah, sure. Sure it will. Sure it will. All right. So that's it. Now let's give our theories. Um, I'm kind of all over the place. One thing I can agree with most people out there, I don't think sales did it. I mean, if Sales did it, he would have said something early on when they went to visit him in prison, and that story wouldn't have changed from pool hall to gas station to truck stop. Keith yeah. does not look like one to visit many a truck stop, so but it might be one of those places like on his way to work that has real good coffee. Because I did that for two years. There was a truck stop that I just had the best cheap coffee, and I would always stop in there, and I did not drive a truck. You see that man with his epic mustache, I know. and you don't think he would go to a truck stop? I didn't say he was scared of him. I just said that he, I don't think he would frequent I that. I wouldn't I wouldn't uh saying you said he was scared, but that man would fit in a truck stop anywhere. Listen, y'all, and we're not victim-blaming by anything, and this is a gruesome, horrible case that we both – were eyeball deep in and I opened this up when we started talking to each other off air. I told him, I said, look, I know that this is hideous. This is awful. It's just horrible. I said, but can we acknowledge what a awesome mustache Keith was having? And I'm going to post pictures of the family in two different pictures. He's much younger when his son is born and then he's, a little bit older um, in another picture, but that mustache is epic. Like that's what you look at. I don't, I don't see anything else. I mean, Lane's gorgeous. She really is. She's a very pretty lady and the, the baby's cute, but 
That mustache, man. And then, I mean, he's he's rocking it. Got his collar popped. I'm just joking. <laughs> but anyway, no, I, I don't think the sales angle, I, I really don't think, so I think he is a modern-day Henry Lee Lucas. He's just spewing hate and vileness and stuff like that. Um, I think the the female killer man angle has some legs to it. I I don't know how it would lead you to believe a family member, but then you're into so much speculation about so many other angles, and I just we just don't have access to more information in this case. And since it is still technically open, you can't get the case file, which if you could, at least you could see the evidence that was collected. But I've seen a couple of case files since we started this. For God's sakes, I know you just cram shit in there, but it would make life so much easier if you just, if you only organized it by date. I'm not saying that you have to organize your evidence or your case file by interviews and evidence and crime scene photos and stuff like that. If you could just organize it by date, it'd be so much easier, <laughs> just so much easier. But anyway, um, so that's my, my theory is it was a female, whether it was a, a relative, eh, I don't know. Um, like I said, that last user with the woman scorned, and it was a woman scorned, not in a sexual manner, but a woman scorned, you know, he by his refusal for her to use a phone. So, as much as I uh, dismissed that theory, it wouldn't surprise me if the truth would be it was the actual woman that was denied. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great theory, but again, you just, you know, we have no, like, it's the same, once you get about six days, oh, hell, I'll even go less than that, about three pages deep searching for this stuff, you either bog down in Sales' story and all of his murders, or you're just regurgitated the same facts over and over and over and over. So I will say if you have not, this is going to be my, it's going to tie into recommendation. Well, no, I'm not going to, no, no. I've got something else to recommend. Um, I'll go ahead and put this out there. If you like true crime, that there is a website out there, buggedspace.com. They have a lot of different uh, true crime uh, articles. They have mysteries. They do history of like, they did a whole article, good article, on um, how penicillin was accidentally um, found. And then they have entertainment news and stuff like that. So if you're looking for a new website to just dive into, Bugged, B-U-G-G-E-D, space, all one word, dot com, is a good place to tickle your fans. <laughs> all right, so we putting this to bed. Well, I mean, did we give our theories? What do we think? I like the, yeah, I gave mine and you said as much as you hated to say it, the woman angle is looking good. But do you believe, I guess you have not verbalized, do you believe old Tommy Lee and sales was the perpetrator? Absolutely not. 
Okay. We can agree on that. Uh, I don't, I don't, I think that he was an evil person. I think he did some horrible things, but in this case, I don't think if he did it, I think the story he gave as to why is complete horseshit. Right. So, uh, that's just my opinion. Um, but I think there's definitely something to it being very personal, whether it be woman scorned, man scorned or something. It's not just, it's definitely not random to me. It is somebody that freaking hated him and that hated Keith. I think, I don't think it was, she was not the cause of it. She was a victim of it. And I'm not saying he was the cause of it, but I'm saying the, the, the hatred that caused this event was directed towards him. And that from what I researched and what I see, what he did, I cannot tell you, I don't know, but it was very personal. It was, yeah. Somebody somewhere was pissed off at that man or pissed off at her and took it out on him. But I, I just, I don't know. But anyway, all right. So let's get into recommendations before we just keep, drolling over the same stuff you want to go first or you got time you want to pick yours as i tell mine no i got one because i started watching it and it's phenomenal um one of the one of my top three favorite video games of all time uh has a show on hbo now it's called the last of us my son was telling me about that and he said that He's kind of leery about watching it, so I will take your recommendation. Out. Let's hear it. Because he, he said that the only other the only thing that he can relate to this, The Last of Us, is the, um, what was the one? It was a video game they made into a movie and, and totally butchered it. Assassin's Creed, he said it was horrible. Oh, no, this is not that. This is not that. This is people that actually give a shit. Okay, okay. And good writing and... One of the episodes is going to piss a lot of people off that don't agree with my politics, so that's good too. So <laughs> um, that'd be episode three. But uh, very well made. The the game is is just a fantastic story that I liked a lot, and I've played it several times through. And the it's just a good show, man. Give it a watch. It's on HBO or HBO Max if you have it. Other two games, if you're wondering, would be Days Gone, which is a similar game. It's Bikers in the Zombie Apocalypse. That's Days Gone. Last of Us is a zombie game as well. But favorite game of all time? A game called Far Cry Primal. You get to be a caveman and go around doing caveman stuff. It's amazing. And I've played it through like nine times because it's very easy to play when you're drunk. Well, that's all you need right there. Something you can do when you're drunk. <laughs> yeah. If you're drunk and you just want to, you know, kill some time, you can go throw spears at saber tooth tigers, man. It's a, it's a badass game. <laughs> that's exactly right. The far cry stuff. My son plays the mess out of. So, well, it's completely unrelated to the other ones. They just, for whatever reason, they decided to make one about a caveman and, it's like the lowest rated of all those games, but man, it's by far my favorite video game I've ever played. 
Well, there you go. It's what makes you happy, Coach, not what these other people think. That is so true, man. <laughs> it's so true. You know, it's just nice of you to point that out. You know, <laughs> what I, it's nice to know that I matter. You know what I mean? I may have sent you the TikTok video, and if I haven't, I will send it to you because it starts off with, I think his screen name is Backyard Gyno, and he's working on a car. So his just his screen name alone is pretty original. But he starts off the video with, you ever been told, turn the other cheek? You know, hate can't help, he said. And so this go, you know, all the little word sayings about all the stuff about be nice. It'll, everything will come back on them tenfold. Da, 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 da. And it goes on for like 20 or 30 seconds. And finally, he's like, you know what? Fuck that. No, be that bitch. Be that ungrateful son of a... And then he goes on like a two-minute tirade about how you will... It may, in the long run, cost you more in therapy because people are mean to you and you're always losing time. He said, but bail money's around 300 to $500. And sometimes <laughs> it's worth the money to put down and put it out there in public that you ain't that bitch. <laughs> but anyway, all right, so... Uh, well, hold on, hold on, hold oh, on. Oh, Jesus, are you Let's double recommending... Up. No, no, no. Okay, good. I'm going to talk about something else. Because did you you said you sent me a TikTok? I believe. Did so. you send it on TikTok? Yes. See, that's that's funny because I never check my TikTok. You dumb bastard! Every once in a while, I come across Jesus. something on Facebook or something, and I'll I've been click. sending you like if you log on right now, oh, you'll have like thirty five things for me. Man, way to fuck up my joke, bro. <laughs> way to go! Oh, whoa, whoa! It's all fun and games when yours is fucked up. <laughs> Let me finish. Can I finish? Go ahead. I'll, I will mute myself. Can I finish? Can I finish? Anyway, everyone, every so often I'll see something on Facebook and I'll click it and it'll open my TikTok. And before the video can even start, it'll be like, Mysterious Bruce sent you 47. <laughs> yeah, 47 unopened messages from Mysterious Bruce. And I'm like, fuck, now I got to spend 35 down, 35, 45 minutes going through these. They're worth it. Most of them are worth it. Even though, like, to, I, tonight, I would agree. Tonight, my wife was like, "I don't ever check my Facebook or uh, my Instagram notifications," and I had sent her stuff like as far back as like December twenty seventh. She goes, "What is this?" And I'm like, "I don't know when I sent it." She's like, "January 3rd. And I'm like, "Well, hell, I don't know. That's four weeks ago." <laughs> Dude, I send I send you stuff on Instagram, and you'll react to it, and I'm like, "Oh, do you react to?" It? And it'll open, and I'm like. Oh yeah, I have no idea. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm bad about watching it'll stuff be on two Instagram. Two minutes later, and I can't even remember what I sent you. Yeah, it's bad. So, <laughs> oh man. So I have uh, one thing I wanted to say before I give my recommendation was I don't know if you sent this to me or if someone else sent it to me, but somebody sent me a cut of the movie Life with Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence, and when. Old big boy knocks Eddie on his ass in the yard. He gets up and says, gold, whatever that guy's name is. I know a woman named Della that hits harder than you. And it never dawned on me. after. And I probably watched life seven or eight oh, times. Yeah. 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 Oh, shit. Yeah. 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 Della Reese and Harlem You're going to hit people with trash cans. <laughs> oh, come on. It doesn't say trash cans. You won't hit people with garbage, garbage cans. Man. Yeah, garbage now cans. I got to cut you. <laughs> uh, oh, that's, dude, that's crazy. It's one of those Easter eggs that nobody had ever seen, but you'd watch the movie a hundred times, and then when you see it, you're like, oh, 
holy shit. So, yeah. All right, so that's not my my recommendation is not to go find that no, clip. that just blew my fucking mind because that's true. Said, yeah. I'll give that's you another true. one, too. If you haven't seen that scene, if you haven't seen Harlem Nights, first of all, watch it. But if you're not going to take the time to watch it, just look up Harlem Nights, Eddie Murphy, Della Reese fight and watch that scene. That shit is hilarious. Yes, it is. I'll Come give on, you another quick. one, little Come movie. On, quick. <laughs> <laughs> another who leaves one swallow orange juice in the damn bottle? Just swallow, you dumb bitch. I'll give you another one that I did not realize, and, and my wife found this one. Did you know Tom Cruise was in Young Guns 1? I do. I did saw you? that like the other day. Yeah, she found uncredited and found the scene, and then when she found the scene, it was getting close to where that was, and we actually saw it in the movie. So, yeah, and that's right between, in his heyday, too, that's between Cocktail and whatever was right around the Cocktail. I can't think of the other one that he was in. Anyway, all right, so my recommendation, finally, I'm going to recommend the book, and you can audio book it or whatever. You ain't read no damn book, you lying sack of shit. <laughs> I got the digital version, and it's called Chaos. Charles Manson, the CIA, and the secret history of the 60s. And so this book, like I've had to listen to the first two chapters twice. Because you talk about going in such deep, deep rabbit holes. I mean, it's it'll make you think is all I'm going to tell you. And the uh, reason it'll make you think is because we all know what kind of piece of shit Roman Polanski turned out to be. And he was married to Sharon Tate at the time of the murders. And some of the stuff that this old boy has uncovered just by chapter two is a head scratcher. So that is my recommendation. So we, yeah, hard pass on making me think. I don't really want to do that anymore. Yeah, I, I figured you would. Many years, I got passionate about so many things. I'm just like, yeah, eh. <laughs> <laughs> eh. yeah. I can try. I can try not. All right, coach. You got anything Hold else? Hold on, I'm gonna tell you. There's a thing oh. Patton Oswalt did. About how he lo- don't you roll your eyes, man? It's, this is content, bro. <laughs> he did a thing about how he used to get so passionate about so many things, and he just lost it. He used to just tell everybody his opinion, especially about music. Be like, you, you, you gotta listen to this. And I was just like, meh. Pretty much, the older you get, the more I he feel like. He said, "I used to hate Nickelback. I used to tell people hated him." I'd give him several reasons why I hated Nickelback. He's like, but now I'm just like, eh, fuck it. He's like, he goes, why did Nickelback do what they did? He's like, to get laid. <laughs> Bottom line. He said, do you know what people have done in this world to get laid? They've done some of the worst things imaginable. You know what Nickelback did? They just went, Canadian. <laughs> They are Canada's number one export. <laughs> That's sad. It is sad. Portia and I, Celine, just playing second and third fiddle to Nickelback. But anyway, all right, Coach, you got anything else? Oh, when that Nickelback comment, brother, I said it all, man. You did. 
You set it off. <laughs> Deuces.